Welcome to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast where we crack the code on burnout based on three primary factors, your programming, environment, and personality. We also feature experts who debunk the myths about what it takes to be successful in their industry and spin those tips to fit the workplace so you can optimize the way you work. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, a psychologist turned coach, author, and burnout expert. If you're burned out and want to go from exhausted to extraordinary, book a free breakthrough session with me by going to bookachatwithsharon.com. And if you want to see how you're doing and what to focus on next, download the burnout checklist. You'll find the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash check your burnout. Now let's get started. Hello and welcome back to Decode Your Burnout with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman. I am excited to be back and today I have joining me somebody by the name of Michelle Quirk. Now, if you are not familiar with Michelle, she is a board certified pediatrician and a certified run coach with the Road Runners Club of America. She founded Mindful Marathon to help make running easy and fun for busy professionals. Using an informed, enjoyable, and effective approach, she coaches her athletes to live long and love the love of running. I, I think I said that wrong. <laughs> to, to a lifelong love of running is more like it. So Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> so, you know, we talk a lot about physician burnout in general. In the news, we hear about it all the time. And being a pediatrician, I have to imagine that you've had either your share of burnout or you've seen other people around you burnout. So why don't you start us off by telling us a little bit about your burnout story, and then we'll take it from there. And as you do so, I'm going to be listening for our three contributing factors, programming, environmental stressors, and personality contributions. So you have the floor. Yeah, um, I think there there are multiple um, stories along the way in terms of my own experience with burnout. But I think really the, the first time that I recognized that something was wrong was right after I completed my residency. So about 10 years ago, 2012. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I had the word burnout at that time, but that is what I, <laughs> that is what I experienced. Um, so I had, in, in this case, I think multiple stressors. So I had just finished my residency, moved to a new place, started my first attending job, you know, as a pediatrician in the hospital in the emergency department, um, newly married, studying for board exams. <laughs> and if that was not enough, um, during that time, my dad was diagnosed with lung cancer. Oh my goodness. And so, <laughs> so I, I was trying to juggle all of these things. Um, and really, I just, I describe it as I just didn't really know which way was up. Like I was functioning, I was going to work, I was coming home, but I was tired all the time. I just felt like no matter how much I was sleeping, I couldn't get enough rest. And um, that was really when I picked up running. Like I was never a runner before that. And as a kid, I really 
I wasn't much of an athlete. I really struggled to run. And at this time, I thought, you know, here I am, you know, preaching to my patients and families to take care of themselves and eat nutritious foods and exercise and manage their stress. And here I was not taking my own advice. And so that's really, there was a shift there that I realized, I may not have realized exactly what, what was going on in terms of burnout, but I knew that something needed to change and I couldn't really stay on this treadmill, if you will. And so I picked up running at that time and, and just started, started very slow, um, you know, five, 10 minutes around the block and, and running is what helped me kind of move past that. First of all, I love that little analogy of the treadmill. <laughs> That's so perfect. Um, so, wow. I mean, as I'm listening to this, I'm thinking a lot of times when people come on the show or I hear about their burnout story, it's because they're pushing themselves so hard. They're taking so much on. And what's so unique about your story is it wasn't necessarily that you were taking so much on. But it was just all of life circumstances kind of coming together at the same time. And I think this is a really great reminder for people that when we have all of these kinds of things come crashing down all at the same time, and some of them were really good things, right? I mean, certainly it was stressful to get the cancer diagnosis and, um, you know, maybe like having a good, uh, your first job may have been a little stressful, but also exciting. I got to yeah. imagine. Yeah. Um, but being newly married is exciting. Studying for the boards might be, you know, it's kind of like a mixed bag, isn't it? So some of it's exciting. Some of it's kind of stressful, but mm -hmm. it's just that it's happening all at once. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, I got to imagine having gone through that experience that you have some takeaways in terms of what, what would you do different or what would you tell one of your patients now if they were telling you how stressed out they were because they've got all this stuff going on, all these balls in the air? What would you say now? Yeah, I think, um, you know, this lends itself well to my, my first tip, which is creating space for yourself. And at that time, I really... I did it, but I didn't know that's what I was doing intentionally. I wasn't doing it intentionally. I was, I was creating those five, 10 minutes to run around my block. And I found that while I was out there, you know, my head was pretty clear. I didn't think about much. I was just really in touch with nature and how I was feeling. And I think that's what helped me to continue to lace up my sneakers and keep going. And so I think being intentional about creating some space wherever you can, and, you know, it may seem like, well, what's five or 10 minutes going to do, but that that's what really set the habit. I was consistent with it and 10 minutes grew into 15, 20, 30 more times a week. And, you know, eventually I ran <laughs> that first 5k, eventually I ran a half marathon, but I started small. So you may think creating space, I don't, I don't have time to create space, but even five or 10 minutes a day is helpful. And you don't have to run, by the way, that was, <laughs> that was what it was for me, but maybe five or 10 minutes to meditate or just be alone with yourself, um, to, to be alone with your thoughts and kind of work through. I think that would be my first, my first tip. <laughs> I think that is actually such a great message. I love how you're weaving all these things together. So first we're talking about when you've got so much going on, you're probably in overwhelm. 
And what we need most when we're in overwhelm is to slow everything down. And your tip for that is create some space. Now, for each person, that's going to look completely different, right? For you, it was going around the block initially. And that's great. So there's that. But I also think the other piece of it that you're saying is that even when you are feeling so overwhelmed that you say to yourself, I don't have time to make space, that you can start really small. But as long as you are consistent, that will start to, you'll start to reap the benefits of it. And then that will grow as you start to see more value in it. Right. And I think that's, that's such an important thing to think about is how when we're in the midst of chaos, it feels like we don't have time for the things that feel good, which makes no sense, right? Like yeah. it makes absolutely no sense. Well, we don't do that right when we need it the most. And yep. when we start to carve out a little bit of space for ourselves and we're like, oh my God, this feels amazing. Then all of a sudden you're like, I could, I could probably find another five minutes and grow that five minute break into a 10 minute break. And isn't that amazing how as soon as we start to have that experience where this is valuable, I'm actually feeling better as a result of it, that we make the time, the time that we didn't really have, right? So yeah. I, I, I find all of that so fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I if you had told me when I started running that eventually I would run a half marathon or a marathon or whatever, I would have just said you were crazy. And like, I would never, I didn't see myself doing those things. And I would have for sure said, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to, to do all of that training, <laughs> but it's amazing along the way how, yeah, as I was consistent with it and I felt better um, and then started, you know, kind of reaching some goals that I never thought were possible for myself. I kept working at it and, and yeah, I just worked up to it very slowly. It took years, but, but yeah, I've stuck with it ever since. Which is amazing. Now, it brings me back to, I was teaching a course on habit creation last year for my Priming Lab members. And what we were talking about is how identity is a big piece of these kinds of shifts. And so when you talk about how initially you would have said, oh, you're crazy that I'm going to do this, it's because it wasn't who you were at the time. So I think it's important uh, even if you don't want to run a marathon, and if we're going to use the running example, that you just maybe go for a five-minute run, and then over time, you'll see how you feel. And what ends up happening is that we evolve as human beings. So the things that are really meaningful to us, we start to gravitate more towards. So if you're taking that five-minute run and you're like, oh my God, actually, I could do more. Like I put on all this gear and my shoes and did all that for five minutes. Like I might as well go for at least 10 minutes. And then it just, it just starts to grow from there. And I think that's true, whether it's running, whether it's meditation, any of these self-care habits, whatever works for you. And that's what I love that even in your tip of create space, you're leaving space for us to decide how to fill in the blank. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's very individual and personalized to you and your life and your circumstances. Amazing. And I think in the same way that, um, that I didn't see myself as a runner or a marathoner, I also never would have seen myself as a run coach either. So <laughs> that, that came later, but I, you talk about the identity shift and that 
I, I mean, that really comes up for me because when I first started running, I, I never would have thought I would be coaching others to do it. So is that what you do now full-time or is it like a side gig? <laughs> yeah, it's a side gig. So I, I work, I'm um, a primary care pediatrician, um, three to four days a week, depends on the week. And then I have my run coaching business as well. And do you find that the people who gravitate towards uh, your coaching happen to be other pediatricians or not necessarily? Um, Not necessarily. I do coach a lot of physicians, but I say busy professionals because I've had lawyers, therapists, teachers. um, Yeah. Men as well. I'm mostly women, but I've, I've coached men as well. <laughs> that is so phenomenal. All right. So that was your first tip. Tell us what is tip number two? Okay. Tip number two is get a coach. <laughs> and in, with this tip, um, I would say, you know, coach, I use the term a little bit loosely. Like that could be a friend, um, someone you can share what you're, what you're going through. Um, so I would say after I came through burnout the first time, um, I had a similar experience like five or six years um, into my career. Again, I felt that feeling like I'm on a treadmill, but I don't really know where I'm going and I need to (laughs) take a pause and step off of here. And I just couldn't see how I was going to work full time as Uh, a physician in the hospital doing night shifts and working weekends and holidays like forever and ever until retirement. And so I had this, I was at a crossroads and I I went out with a friend of mine, uh, another pediatrician who worked at the hospital, um, who also happened to, she was really the first physician entrepreneur I, I ever knew. And she had started a side business coaching physicians. So we went out for coffee and, you know, she said, I could, like, you're talking about burnout and we could talk about burnout, but do you realize for 45 minutes, you've been telling me about your running and how you, your, the marathon changed your life and you're writing training plans for your friends and your family and your coaching girls on the run and all of these things. Like, have you thought about maybe being a a run coach? And I remember I just sat back in the chair and I was like, no, it just didn't occur to me. I, I, I couldn't see that. Um, so really, she was the one who kind of lit the <laughs> lit the spark. And after that meeting over coffee, it was like everything kind of fell into place. Like, of course, it took a lot of work and and time and effort, but but that was really a mindset shift. So I would always encourage everyone to get a coach or at least talk to um, a trusted family member or friend about what you're going through because sometimes you can't see the way forward, but and a third party, an outside party who knows you might be able to see it for you. That's such an important tip. So, you know, I would always tell people if you're burned out, start out with some coaching to get you out of burnout. And then think about how you want to live your life kind of differently moving forward. And, you know, a lot of times people will switch careers and then they want somebody to help them with the career shift. So a business coach might be a good place to go from there. But A lot of times people want to stay in their career and maybe it's just about building a side hustle or even just a life coach, just Mm -hmm. somebody can help them with their life in general. And it's always good to have that outside perspective, somebody who can see the blind spots that you can't see because it does accelerate your progress and it gets you to places that you would have never gotten on your own. Yeah, 
For sure. And I think that that was really it when we had coffee, like she really found the blind spot right off, you know, right at the beginning. And at the time I thought, you know, maybe I do want to leave this career and do something else. But in the end, after some exploration, that really wasn't it. Like I, I don't think the answer is for all of the physicians to leave medicine. I mean, we have a huge problem with physician burnout, especially, I mean, I think the pandemic highlighted that and probably made it worse, but the answer isn't for all of us to leave, I don't think, um, but to, to make this a career that we can stay in for the long haul, but more on our terms, whatever that means, cutting back hours and working part-time, having a side gig, um, yeah, whatever that means, but <laughs> I'm trying to find my way. Yeah. And I mean, I've coached a lot of physicians and uh, kind of my sweet spot is the physician that wants to stay in their business, in their career, and just hasn't figured out how to do it sustainably. And what I love about that is that there are people who have dedicated that many years to studying this in order to become the physician that they are. And it's because they love medicine. They want to help other people. And unfortunately, as you're going through all this rigorous training, they aren't teaching you all of the really important skills on how to manage your stress and manage your thoughts and all the things that are super important in burnout prevention. So that's where I can come in and help them to just get back to themselves. And ultimately, if you really love what you do, there's probably a way to get there. We just have to focus you in the right direction. So I think that can save a lot of heart heartbreaks for people. Yeah, yeah. And and for some people, you know, they're thinking like, I don't know how I can stay in it. I know I had that thought very often, yeah. but it, it can be scary to think like, well, what else am I qualified to do? Like that's how the, the physician brain works, right? Like we went to school for so many years and, yeah. and put in all this time. And many of us, by the time we have our first, you know, real, real job, <laughs> we're in our early thirties, sometimes later. So it can be scary to have that thought like, well, I invested all of this time and energy and into something I thought I would love. And money. And, and money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, talk about all the student debts that you have to repay, right? Yeah. So it's like you've put all of your eggs in this basket. Yes. You've gone all in. And a lot of you really want to stay in it. So we just have to help you figure that out, how to do that. Yes, exactly. hundred yeah. percent. That's why I love what you do. <laughs> <laughs> and I love what you do. So it's so great. So you're basically telling people that they need to find something that works for them to create that space and then hire some some coach or talk to somebody who knows them to help them see what they don't see. And what's your third tip? Uh, the third tip um, is schedule uh, time off. And I think, so I, I have always been a person who loves travel and, and trips. And so for me, um, the pandemic was especially tough at the beginning because we were grounded for a little while and I couldn't um, go on, you know, trips and travel. And so when I think about scheduling time off, um, I still took breaks, even though we weren't traveling anywhere. And I think that's been important for me, at least with my clinical role, to take scheduled breaks from there. So to make sure that I'm using my vacation time, like I, I know there are 
lots of, of people who want to save up their, their vacation time and, and lots of people have much, many, many hours in the bank. And I would encourage you to maybe use some of those hours, like really schedule some breaks, whether that's a long weekend or a week off um, every couple of months, but just so that you have that time to look forward to. And you don't necessarily have to go anywhere, but <laughs> just take a break and do something good for for you that you enjoy doing um, and that gets you maybe off of whatever that treadmill is for, for a set period of time that you can, you know, you have it to look forward to. That's been a, a game changer for me. So I have to ask, because when I work with executives in particular, they're the kind of people who don't want to step away because they're worried about, you know, they work in such aggressive environments where like the emails don't stop and like everything just keeps coming up. And so people are afraid if I leave, it's going to pile up. I'm going to be drowning when I get back. I might as well just stay. I'm curious, what is it like from your perspective for physicians and why are they accumulating all of those hours in the bank and not taking that break for themselves? Is it, I mean, I got it. You know, if you have patients, somebody's going to look at, look after your patients while you're gone. Mm -hmm. What is getting in the way for physicians? Yeah. I mean, I think I feel very lucky that I'm in a big group. So I, it is, um, you know, like there are, there are people holding down the fort while, while I'm away and we, you know, take over for each other when, when people are out. So we have a, you know, a team system where, you know, patients calling in or, you know, medications needing refilled, like all of these things are given to the team that you're on. So you can take time off. I, I understand about coming back to a mountain of paperwork that that does happen. Um, but I do feel like the emergency type things are taken care of by my colleagues. And even in, you know, private practices, as long as you're not the only person, like if you have a partner or other partners, um, you know, you have to, to trust them to hold down the fort. And I think at least where I work, it's, th this is how we think, like when I'm off, everyone else will, will take care of, of my patients. And then when they're off, I'll take care of theirs. So it's a little bit more um, work sharing. <laughs> um, yeah. Sometimes patients get upset. Like, Oh, I called my, you know, my, my daughter was sick and you weren't, you weren't here. And I had to see someone else for the first time, but I'm like, well, self-care is important. Doctors are people too. Like everybody deserves some time off and we get vacation time for a reason. And I say, it's important to use it. <laughs> So, I mean, there's, there's a few things to unpack there. I think the first one is just recognizing the importance of self-care for your sanity, for your mental health, for burnout prevention. I think secondly is having the mindset that, you know, when you really buy into this concept that, hey, not only do I have the time, but I'm going to actually use it and I feel justified in using it, that you can then communicate that clearly to people without the guilt, Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I think it, it does. Um, it helps that I'm in a group where the other physicians feel the same way. Um, even, you know, our, our director takes vacation as well. So that that is helpful. I can understand if you're in an environment where it's not encouraged to do that. But I think, you know, when we look at the amount of physicians in particular, leaving medicine and what has happened with the pandemic, um, you know, 
it, it makes sense that we would need a break <laughs> from time to time um, and time with our own families, time with ourselves, time in nature, whatever it is. But I just, I don't think we can keep going and going without, without a break and not have either ourselves suffer, our family suffer, or our patients. Um, so yeah, I think the, <laughs> the general theme, I suppose, is self-care, um, taking time out, even though we are living a very busy lifestyle. And sometimes it doesn't feel like you can press pause, but you can. <laughs> so let, we can even go a little bit more granular with this concept of taking breaks, because I think we sometimes think about, oh, I'll work really hard and then I'll go and take that vacation. But I don't think that's sufficient. So I think breaks can also mean like what you said, which is maybe you just take one extra day off and make it a three-day weekend. I knew somebody when I was working way back when in a nonprofit where um, what this person did was take all of their vacation days and instead of clump them together for a long getaway, they would take every three-day weekend and add a fourth day and have a four-day weekend. And we tend to have those on average every one to two months anyway. Mm -hmm. So basically every one to two months, they had a four day break from work. And I thought, oh, this is a kind of an interesting concept, right? So I think there's that. And I also think there's the importance of taking breaks throughout the day. Yeah. Can you, can you speak to that? And uh, I know a lot of physicians feel like they're back to back with all the patients that they have to see, then they got to write all their notes, like who the hell has time for a break, right? So what would you say to somebody like that? Yeah, I'll tell you what I do. Um, so I try to, we in theory have an hour at lunchtime, like there's a break in the patients between 12 and one, but often the morning will spill over into lunchtime. I'm sure that happens for a lot of people. <laughs> and so your one hour may become 10 minutes um, wow. to eat. And so what I try to do is um, I don't chart during that time. I just tend to like close the door, sit in quiet in my office and eat and have like a little mindfulness meditation minute. <laughs> um, the other thing I do, I really like tea. Um, I have lots of herbal tea uh, in my office and I will just take, you know, two minutes and go and boil the water and like make myself a cup of tea, but just taking a little bit of a break to check in with myself um, before the afternoon starts rolling, because sometimes there really isn't much time. I mean, it's, it's very nice if, if we have an hour that, that <laughs> that's ideal. <laughs> and then I can get some charting done during that time. But um, yeah, I, I often only have 10 or 15 minutes. And then the same thing, at, um, if it's a particularly busy uh, morning or afternoon, sometimes in between patients, I'll just take a beat, even if it's one minute to just be by myself um, in the office and gather my thoughts before I go into the next room. Um, I guess I, I call them myself like little mindfulness minutes or just um, taking a minute to focus on my breathing. Um, I use box breathing a lot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the middle of the day, you can have any number of, you know, very positive encounters and sometimes not so positive encounters. <laughs> 
And so I don't want to take that energy from a not so positive encounter uh, yeah. with me the whole day. So it, it's important to when I close the door on that to really close the door before I keep moving. So that's how I manage. I mean, it's not perfect. It's a work in progress, but <laughs> well, nothing, nothing really is perfect. And we're not going for perfection here. But um, I think the biggest mindset shift for people, if you're listening, is that we sometimes think about these breaks or this uh, space, this time for ourselves in a very black and white kind of way. It's either I have a whole bunch of time to do something and then I don't, you know, and then I do it. Or if I don't have, because nobody has time, right? Then we don't do anything. And what I love about your method or your mindset when you're talking about this process of living a life that is more resistant to burnout, if we can say that, it's that you start small and you literally will take one minute if that's all you have and maximize that minute so that it at least gives you a mini reset. And if you do that, even a couple of times a day, it makes a difference compared to not taking those minute here, minute there, all of two minutes like total to reset yourself, right? So I love the idea of start small, work with what you got, build on on it from there as you progress. And you, you know, it's even when you talk about creating space, I think it's like in your mind, you have to create the mental space that you can do this stuff, even if you start like with one step forward. Yep. Yep. It's That's the same really way. powerful. I think it's the same. I, I mean, maybe that makes sense that I became a running coach, but it's the same with running. It's like, yes. what you got, start slow, start somewhere. That's perfect. What a great analogy. I love it. So I want to come back for a moment to your burnout story. So you are, you know, you're at least the first one that you shared with us is it's after residency. You've got all of these environmental stressors. But I'm really curious, how did you show up? You know, um, usually when people share their burnout story, they talk about how they really pushed themselves or they were stuck in all this negativity or they had compassion fatigue or some version of that that helps us to kind of see what they, how they were engaging with their environment. And I'm curious, as you, you know, graduated, you started your first job, you moved, you got married, you had all these things happen. Uh, where were you in all that? Um, the best I could describe it, I felt like I was in a fog. Like I would, I just felt tired all the time. Like I had no energy, and I thought, well, I finished my residency, where and we didn't get much sleep. But I thought at some point it would get better. <laughs> but I still just felt tired. Like I really was not. I don't think I was really doing very any of the things that I shared in terms of. <laughs> tips yeah. for everyone else, but I, I didn't have time set aside for myself. I wasn't exercising. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't, I didn't have a regular sleep schedule. Part of that was the job and like switching back and forth from day shifts to night shifts. So I'm sure yeah. that didn't help, but I just, the whole period of time is a bit of a fog for me. And, but then you yes. said you had some other burnout episodes, were they kind of similar or was there something different going on there? Yeah, I think um, I would describe that as a feeling of general um, like discontent at work, like feeling like um, I, an example would be, um, I remember 
standing, you know, in the back of the emergency department, like um, at before or after my shift and just kind of standing there, like, I can't keep doing this. Like, I don't really want to be doing this anymore. So why, why am I still doing this? And how can I, I was just like questioning myself, how can I move forward? Like, I just, I couldn't see longevity in the career, at least in the situation that I was in. And that happened, you know, multiple times over the years. And um, yeah, I guess it was, I feel like it was an undercurrent, if that makes sense. Like I was functioning, I was showing up to work and doing my job, but I was not thrilled about it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, just from listening to you talk and how you manage yourself, um, you know, I'm really struck by, it, it appears like you have quite a high EQ to be able to manage in this way and also just not beat yourself up, which I think a lot of people do, which contributes tremendously to stress and burnout. So it sounds like you have a pretty good relationship with yourself, if we should put it that way. Yeah. And and I think that is probably part of your big secret on how you can potentially avoid burnout. And I think that's also to say that even when EQ is high and you're managing well and you're not beating yourself up, that burnout can still happen when you feel like it's a bad fit with your place of work, which it sounds like something was going on there where you lost that sense of fulfillment or meaning. And um, what I love as you're describing this is that you have so much self-awareness. You're asking yourself the right questions. You're kind of coaching yourself as you go through your journey, which helps you to make the right kind of change at the right time as you need it. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, in terms of being hard on myself, really the one thing I would say is that I, you know, I would wish that I did something that I would make a change sooner than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking back, especially with that first period of time, there was so much going on and it really yeah. took a long time to kind of sort through that. So I'm not sure, <laughs> I'm not sure I could have made the changes any earlier, but um, you know, everything happens in, in its own time, but eventually I got, I got there. And I think for me, the important thing is that I, I think this other side of my life that there are there are multiple things I'm not just um, a physician like that that is that is my job um, but I have all of these other things also and I think just recognizing that and cultivating all of the other things has helped me to stay in it well I think Michelle your message is really a breath of fresh air so I appreciate you sharing your message here on the show and where are you located if people want to coach with you for running? Yeah. So I, I'm in Philadelphia, but I do most of my coaching virtually. So I have people all over the US. <laughs> so how does that work? How do people coach uh, like running? Like they don't have to actually run with you. How does that work? Right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I have um, one-on-one clients and I, I write um, customized training plans and do personalized coaching with them. So we do coaching calls, and then I I write them a training plan. Um, And then I have a group program for newer runners, more beginner runners called Ready, Set, Run. And same thing, we meet on Zoom um, and do it that way. For my local people, I'm always happy to meet up for a run, but uh, the majority of my people are not local. 
So it's kind of like if you were to go to a dietitian and they would make you a meal plan and then you go and create all of the meals and you report back. And I, that's what I'm hearing you say is you apply that sort of a model for running, which is cool because then if you're listening to this and you don't live in the area, you can still work with Michelle. So Michelle, tell us where we can find you. Yeah, I think the best place is probably the website, which is mindful-marathon.com. And I'm I'm on Instagram at mindful.marathon and I'm on Facebook as myself, Michelle Quirk. But <laughs> the best place is the website and you can find out um, information about the next group or one-on-one coaching. And there are some freebies there if you are interested in getting started to run or if you haven't run in a long time, there is a workshop um, and a training plan on there. Very, very cool. Now, before we wrap up, I have one final question for you. Typically, one of the things that we talk about here is your programming. And usually when we talk about your programming, it's uh, the thing that has contributed to people's burnout. And I have to um, I have to imagine that in your case, there is some sort of programming that has allowed you to be as resilient as you are. What would you say that might be? Oh, my. Um I've always been a very positive person um, and able to see the positive in some pretty crappy situations. So I'm not sure if that's what it is in terms of um, resilience, but yeah. And where did that come from? (laughs) I mean, did you see your parents model that or how did you end up with this mindset? Um, I think maybe from my dad. Um, Both of my parents were in education. My mom was a third grade teacher for many years, and my dad was a math teacher and then a principal. And, um, you know, I definitely saw them work hard. Um, You know, they were working in the evenings on lesson plans and and things like that. But my dad, um, he was a wrestling coach. And that was before I, I came along. But I... I can see how he was a coach to us, to my sister and I, Mm. um, and to others in the family and just, um, you know, able to spin negative situations and, and kind of work through like, how are we going to move through this? Or even simple things like, you know, failing a test or something in school, but like, is this really the worst thing that could have happened? No. How can we move past it? Like always looking for solutions. So I think maybe he modeled that. Um, maybe. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, one of your tips was to work with the coach and how lucky for you to be able to actually grow up with a coach. So that's actually very, very cool. Something we don't usually hear about. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for coming on again and sharing all this. I think this is very inspirational for people out there listening, especially for pediatricians, but really for anybody who feels like, you know, they don't have time and they're feeling the grind of their work. Now for all of you thinkers out there, I'd love to hear, what did you think of the show? And if you're a feeler, How did hearing this make you feel? And for all you doers out there, what are you going to do based on what you heard today? Now, regardless of what your personality code is, my goal is to spread the word that burnout is a unique experience. And by decoding it, you can find solutions that are equally unique 
to you. Help me spread this message by subscribing to the show on Apple or Spotify and leaving a review telling me what you think, feel, or do differently because of the show. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you can also leave me a comment or questions to answer in future episodes. And please recommend the show to anyone struggling with burnout. If you're ready to take the next step with me to decode your burnout, go to decodeyourburnout.com. I'll see you back here next week. Take care.